Hello and welcome back. I'm Lauren Foster, a content director with CFA Institute. And joining me here on the conference live stage is Dr. Daniel Levitin. He is an award-winning scientist, musician, author, and record producer. His best-selling books include The Organized Mind, which I've got a copy right here, and This Is Your Brain on Music. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lauren. So we hear a lot these days about the, the deluge of data. You know, we're bombarded with information from all fronts. So quantify what we mean by that. Give us some numbers that kind of give us some sense of that. Well, the average American takes in five times as much information every day today as we did in 1989. That's the equivalent of reading 175 newspapers from cover to cover. In our leisure time alone, not even counting our work time, we take in 35 gigabytes of information, the equivalent of seven DVDs. Oh, that's mind-boggling. We've created a world with 300 exabytes of Oof. information. I didn't know what an exabyte was. I had to look it up. It's a, a 10 followed by 17 zeros. Goodness. It's a new number they invented because they ran out of big numbers. Huh. Uh, if you were to take every piece of information on the planet, mm -hmm. Uh, and divide it by the number of people on the planet, seven and a half billion or so, your share of that information, mm -hmm. written on little index cards like these, yep. if you were to pile them up, your share of the information, just your personal share, would reach from here to the moon and back and then up again. It's no That's wonder we feel overloaded. Yeah. Yes. So you're here in London to talk about thinking straight in this age of overload. So what do we need to do to have what you call an organized mind? Well, I think we need to um, put systems in place mm -hmm. that help us to manage, uh, to not stand in front of the fire hose yeah. of information, which could knock us down, but try to gain some nourishment from it mm -hmm. by partitioning what we let in. Okay. Now, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of serendipity and chaos to a certain degree as being inspirational. Mm -hmm. But if you get one good idea out of 10,000 chaotic intrusions, that's probably not a good ratio. Mm -hmm. okay. So you seem to pack a lot in. So you, uh, you write, you speak, you perform, you live life. What's your organizational Achilles heel and what do you do about it? Well, my organizational Achilles heel for a long time was email, because I get 600 emails every day. Oof. And, you know, if I spent only a minute on each one, yeah. that would be the day. That'd be 10 hours. Um, and so um, I did two things. One of them is kind of a cheat. Mm -hmm. I hired an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> who, who goes through much, she can deal with most of them, right? If it's somebody who's writing and asking to make an appointment yeah. or uh, they need a copy of an article of mine, she does those. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she forwards a small number to me. Even so, um, I've partitioned my emails into different accounts. Mm -hmm. So I, I buy almost everything online. I find it, uh, I, I like to support local businesses when I can, but I can't for everything. Yeah. And um, I have a separate email account just for those transactions. And it's where my bank statements go. So that if I'm in the middle of working, mm -hmm. I don't get a ping mm -hmm. on an open email account that turns out to be something I don't need to attend to. Okay. So as, as a scientist, why is organization such a critical skill? 
Well, I think organizations are critical for all of us, yeah. not just uh, for scientists, but as a, a scientist who um, seeks to understand how the brain works yeah. and how to fine tune this mm -hmm. wonderful computer we have, um, I think that if we can find ways to make ourselves more productive and efficient in our work, mm -hmm. that gives us more opportunities for pleasure and freedom mm -hmm. to pursue other things, uh, art, music, mm -hmm. uh, leisure time, time with friends. And I think achieving that work-life balance yep. is important, but you know it requires some systems. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to making decisions, do you think it's better to have too much information which that just floods us, or too little, and then you have to actually actively seek out the right information? Boy, I, I wouldn't want to have to choose between the two <laughs> right. because too much information <laughs> leads to poor decision making. Mm -hmm. There's a big literature on this. It leads to decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in a number of studies, when given extra information, people tend to put too much weight on irrelevant factors. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we could talk about this at more length another time, but there are a number of studies that show that um, the optimal amount of information is just the what you need to make a good decision. So say you're looking for an apartment, you might have a list of, of what you want in the apartment. It needs to be near public transportation, mm -hmm. uh, they need to take dogs, uh, and uh, it needs to be within your price range. Apart from that, you don't care. Right. Uh, and so, you know, if it turns out that uh, the building has a garden, or that it's also near uh, restaurants, or that um, it's, uh, it, it's got hardwood floors. Mm -hmm. Those are things that could skew your decision away from mm -hmm. the things that are important to you. So many of us think we're being productive when we multitask, but I believe you think that's ultimately a myth. So why is multi multitasking a myth? Well, Lauren, the, the brain just doesn't work that way. Okay. The brain doesn't multitask. It does a bunch of different things in little bitty blocks of time. Okay. Uh, so you work on one thing for five seconds, you switch to the next, and then the next, and then the one after it, you come back around to the first, and you're fractionating your attention mm. into a bunch of little bits. Okay. And does that do something to our glucose levels? It does. Okay. It, it comes at a neurobiological yeah. cost. As okay. you say, yep. all that task switching depletes the glucose which is the fuel of your brain. It depletes those resources very rapidly. So what are some of the things that we could do to help reset those glucose levels? Well, one thing is to eat, okay. and not sugar, but right. uh, you know, anything gets eventually converted yep. into sugar. Yep. Um, the other thing you can do is to take a break. Yep. Every couple of hours, take a 15 minute break and allow your mind to wander or take a nap. Mm -hmm. um, Immerse yourself in nature, listen to music, mm -hmm. anything that will take you away from what you were doing. Checking Facebook is not, not a good a thing. <laughs> okay. So for your book, you interviewed lots of successful CEOs, musicians, leaders. Um, was there a common thread in how they organize their days? Yes. They tend to do first thing in the morning that which is most unpleasant to them. Ah. Mark Twain like called it Eat the Frog. <laughs> okay. After you've done that, the first thing in the morning, the rest of the day goes smooth. Okay. Um, the other thing is they, they externalize their memory. They write things down. Um, B.F. Skinner, the great psychological researcher, uh, told the story that when he heard on the news report that it was going to rain, 
the next day, he would take the umbrella out of the closet and hang it on the front doorknob. Now the environment is reminding right. him. He's externalizing his memory. So you talk a bit about brain extenders. Um, explain That's that. one of them. Yeah. Okay. So explain that concept a bit more um, and how that links to productivity and creativity. Well, if you're like me, oftentimes you're at work, you're thinking about something and, and this intrusive thought comes in. Yeah. Oh, I, I forgot I have to call to get a babysitter yeah. uh, or I have to buy milk on the way home. Um, these intrusive, intrusive thoughts take yeah. you away from your work. If you write them down on an index card, yes. uh, you know, like I keep in my pocket, like you have, yes. um, that gets it out of your head. You're externalizing the memory, right. which means your brain can stop reminding you about it mm -hmm. and focus on the task at hand. So do you think creativity can be learned? I think that people are inherently creative. Mm -hmm. And yes, I think there are exercises we can do to prime the pump of it. Okay. Um, if I didn't think that, I wouldn't be an educator. <laughs> That's good. So as a neuroscientist, you know a lot about how the brain performs under stress. In fact, you've given a TED talk on how to stay calm when you know you'll be stressed. So I guess a two-part question. What happens to us when we're stressed? And are there things we can do that can prevent bad things from happening, or at the very least, minimize total catastrophe? Well, my strategy uh, is called doing the pre-mortem. Uh -huh. So we know what a post-mortem is. Yes. You know, a company makes a bad decision, the stock value plummets, so the directors gather around and they want to know what went wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, in retrospect, you say, gee, we really should have not allowed that to happen, or mm -hmm. we shouldn't have uh, ignored that thing. So the pre-mortem is just doing this beforehand. What are the Makes things sense. that could go wrong? Mm -hmm. So um, uh, just take the time to think, if this turns out, whatever I'm doing turns out to be a disaster, what are the likely things that could have gone wrong and, and how can I prevent them from happening ahead of time? Okay, so in our final minutes, a very quick two-part question because I, I have to ask this question. Um, how does music affect the brain? And if you had to take one piece of music with you to a deserted island, what would it be and why? Well, music does a number of things to the brain. It calms us, soothes us. It can inspire, stimulate, comfort, uh, give us feelings of joy, connection to other people. Think about political rallies or football, right. soccer games where we're all singing the same song. Uh, music alters our moods and our mm -hmm. brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. um, one song. <laughs> it's a tough choice. <laughs> you know, it's difficult. Uh, there are certainly songs that I could listen to and do over and over and over again. But if I'm going to be stuck with just a single one of them for the rest of my mm -hmm. life, I think it would be Mahler's Second Symphony. Because there is so much in there that I don't understand okay. that I, I would be able to inhabit it for okay. a long, long time and, and find new surprises. Okay. Thank you so much, Daniel. We'll have to leave it there. Thanks for watching. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.